You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Somebody get a shot up at the buzzer. It's good. Brooks Hall. The buzzer. The Dayton Flyers. Pandemonium. And the Dayton Decibel does And welcome back to another rousing edition of Talking Out Loud. I am your host, Drew. Big show, loaded show today. Got a lot to talk about. I am finally joined by somebody for the duration of this podcast. I'm joined by Jeremy from the College Basketball Stories podcast. Uh, For those of you who are unaware, uh, they have been running. How long have you been running this podcast now, Jeremy? Uh, About two years. Two years. Basically, what they do is they have people on from various schools. I am a... Uh, not quite a recurring guest on the show, but I have been a guest on the show before. Uh, and basically, they have a cocktail, a beer of your cho- your choice, and they talk about uh, a team from your school's past. So for some reason, they had the, at the time, 26-year-old talk about the 1967 Dayton Flyers, which was me at the time. Uh, but Jeremy is also a University of Dayton grad, class of 2013, if my uh, memory is correct. That's and correct. He is joining me for this entire show. Uh, the hope was to have Hansgen on this week. Uh, schedules just couldn't really work out a great time to record with him. So we're going to try and have him on next week to recap the Charleston Classic. But tonight, I, today, I have Jeremy on. Jeremy, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, thanks for being on our pod. And uh, we always like to continue the Dayton connection. And I'm happy to be second in line behind Larry, I guess. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's been a, it's been tough sledding trying to find a, a good time for for Larry and I. So yeah. you you reached out to me once I took this over, and you said uh, if you ever need anybody to come on for an episode, uh, I'm your man. And 
Well, I took that to heart, reached out to you, and you were more than gracious with your time. So we are going to jump straight into it. We're going to talk about the Northwestern game from last Friday. We're going to look forward to the Charleston Classic, preview LSU a little bit, kind of take a look at the other teams in the field and kind of what all how all that will shake out as we move forward. But let's go back to Friday night. Take your minds back to Friday night. Dayton versus Northwestern at Northwestern, which, again, Drew regrets the air. Uh, I'm so conditioned to when Dayton plays in Chicago that I just automatically assume it is a neutral site game. It was not. It was a true road game at Northwestern, who I think will be a pretty good team. And uh, Dayton falls 71-66. to 66. Uh, They had their opportunities. They trailed by 10 at the half. Uh, they came storming out of the second half gates to tie the game up, and they were, it was tooth and nail from there on out, but rebounding killed Dayton. Turnovers killed Dayton. Uh, they shoot 56% from three and lose the game still. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a frustrating loss and one that it's not the first time we've seen Dayton lose a game like that. Uh, Jeremy, let's just start here. General takeaways from Friday night. Well, I was encouraged going into the game that first it wasn't going to be at the United center. Cause we all know how that ends. Correct. Um, but I was uh, quickly discouraged by how we came out of the gates, um, you know, to, to end up being down 10 at half when it was a pretty close back and forth game. Um, you know, I mean, we, we fell behind and then we're able to kind of rally back um, and then, you know, just to go into the locker room and feel like, you know, it already slipped away. Basically, you know, we don't, I don't know that we consider ourselves really a second half team. Um, I don't know if adjustments are our forte. Uh, I would say it's probably not. Um, But, you know, it it was encouraging, I would say, coming out of Friday, seeing the team battle back, um, seeing some nice performances. You know, of course, it starts with and ends with Duran. He was almost shut out in the first half and then, uh, you know, kind of tore it up in the second. you know, of course, rebounding was not encouraging, um, but I mean, I think that it goes it goes both ways because Northwestern has to capitalize on all those things. And unfortunately, you know, they had some standout performances from maybe guys that aren't always going to do that for them. Um, you know, uh, Martinelli off the bench, I think, was one that was like they were surprised that he was making shots and you know, it's sometimes that's just going to be the difference um, in in a close game. And of course you mentioned the turnovers uh, something we have to clean up, but maybe, maybe to be expected a little bit first game uh, after the, the unfortunate news about Mally um, being out for the rest of the season. So might take some time for uh, Javon Bennett to, to really get into the swing of things though. He has been, uh, I, I think an encouraging um, signed based on, you know, some of our backup point guards that we've had in the past. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can steady the ship here coming up. Yeah. I, I want to point to to three statistics here for Northwestern that I think were the very clear difference in the game points in the paint 38. That's too many. Uh, that's yeah. entirely too many points in the paint, especially for having a, someone who's known for their defense, like Deron Holmes and Santos, you know, allegedly is a good defender. I guess we're going to wait and see on that. Uh, 13 points off turnovers, as we talked about. Dayton had 15 of them, and uh, Northwestern countered that with 13, and then 16 second-chance points. So you, know, you look at those three things, and you lose the game by what? You lose by five. You know, if you cut 
those three statistics, you know, by four points each, you win the game. And I, I think that is kind of the microcosm of it because you look at Dayton in the second half, they go 12 of 17 from the field, 70%. 7 of 10 from three, also 7%, 70%. And 10 of 13 from the line, 76%. So you'll take halves like that any day of the week, no matter who you're yeah. playing. You, 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 you're going to win b- basketball games if you play a half like that. Now, obviously, they're not going to shoot that hot every game. That's just not sustainable. But yeah, compare that to the first half. 9 of 22, 40%. 5 of 13, 38% from three. And then they only shot two free throws. So it's very clear as to why the they didn't play as well in the first half while simultaneously playing extremely well in the second half. But that's mm-hmm. kind of the frustrating thing with Dayton, and it has been since the end of the 2020 season, is that they just they look like one team, one half, one minute, one four-minute segment, and then the next one comes along and they look like another. They just don't really have the consistency that you want to see out of a team that you know, now has played together for this is their third year playing together. And I understand that, you know, you have a lot of new faces this year with the transfers and things like that, but your core, f- well now three, because unfortunately Mally's done for the year, but between Duran and the Kobe's and y- you got to have more consistency and continuity. And that leads me in to the Kobe Elvis discussion here, because right. this is just flat out unacceptable from what, who's supposed to be now your second best player. 0 for 5 from the field, 0 for 3 from 3. He made two free throws, grabbed two boards, four fouls, one assist, did not turn the ball over for two points. That's just flat out not going to get it done. And you, he needs to step up, and he has not looked very good in the first two games. And, you know, juxtapose that. Wow, that, I butchered that one, folks. I apologize. <laughs> but take a look at Kobe Brea's stat line tonight for this game, for example. Five of eight from the field, four of six from three, one of one from the line, two boards, two turnovers, 15 points. Like, that's what you need from Elvis, and you need Brea to be the supplement. If By saying that to you, Jeremy, am I off base? Is there something that you would change to what I just talked about, or are you pretty much in agreement? I mean, I'm, I'm in agreement with that. I mean, I don't want to overreact to a slow start, um, and it's, you know, of sure. course— no, we're not talking even about the first game, right? We're talking about one game here. Right. Um, everybody's entitled to to an off night. I do think it's it's surprising given that Kobe Elvis has slid into this role before. Now he, you know, with Bennett starting uh, in place of Mally, you know, he's not necessarily being given the primary ball handling duties, taking the ball up, but he has commanded this team in at in Mally's absence before. Um, and you know, certainly didn't seem like he was able to do that on Friday night. Um, you know, we'll have to see, uh, but I think maybe going into the season, part of the, the goal was to get him back more into that two role where he can focus on shooting. He's made some big shots for us before. Um, and maybe some of that, I mean, I don't know that that role really changes with, you know, if we can if we can get some stability out of Javon Bennett, if Marvell Allen can eventually get on the court, which might be another story for us. Um, but you know, I, I would say let's let's give him the, the opportunity to to turn this around to to make some shots, make some shots, and um, you know, show that he's he's able to to take you know that leadership role that that he's been given on this team. 
Yeah, and you're right. And I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm just overreacting to one game, but I right. sort of I sort of am because I just I expect a lot out of him. And I think he expects a lot out of himself. I like if yeah. I know him like I think I do, he's more angry about his performance on Friday night than anybody else in the world. You know, he doesn't want right, to go out right. there and lay a goose egg. I, and I think he sure. will. And I look for him to have like a bounce back game um on Thursday when they play LSU, but it's just one of those things, man, when you are given the burden of responsibility, you got to show up and he's now going to have a lot of that burden and he's going to have to be a consistent performer. And we can't have the, I was like, all right, well, what Kobe Elvis are we going to get tonight? Are we getting, you know, the seven of 11 for 16 points, you know, doing some good things, moving the ball, things like that. Or, or are we going to get the O for seven, maybe make, maybe gets to the line once and only has two points. Like, I would rather him just kind of live at the 12 point mark as opposed to not knowing what version of him I'm going to get. I think Kobe Bray is more suited to that. Like we don't know what Kobe Bray we're going to get tonight, but man, if, if he sees the first couple go in, like get him the rock. Cause he's yeah, probably not going to miss. I think those, if they, those two can slide in those roles. And obviously I want Brea to be consistent as well. I'm not saying that, sure. but I just, th- we know his game and we know he can be that way. But when he's, when he gets going and he starts shooting well, he can really, really be a true weapon. Uh, looking at Northwestern's box score and all this, uh, it was the usual suspects. It was their top three who did the majority of their scoring. Uh, Langborg had 19. Uh, Boo Booey had 15. I thought we did a pretty good job on him for most of the night. Yeah. Uh, I thought he would be you know, well over 20 points. And uh, Brooks Barnheiser had 13, but he had 10 rebounds. And four of those were on the offensive glass. So Barnheiser mm-hmm. was the one who killed us on the glass. But again, those guys made up all but what twenty four of their points in this ball game, and it it was pretty much how you thought it was going to go from a Northwestern perspective. And when you look at that from a Dayton from Dayton's perspective, they only played eight guys, and in reality, they played six. Uh, Petrus only had nine minutes, and Isaac Jack only had two. Which, quite frankly, I don't really understand. I think. Isaac Jack gives you some good minutes, but he only got two minutes on the night. So you essentially played six. And we talked about how the depth, and obviously that takes a hit with uh, Allen and and Malley being gone. But, you know, we're right back to the six-man rotation and slowing the game down to a grinding halt when the whole thing this year was going to be we're going to play a little bit faster. And from the looks of it, it, it's going to be the same. It's going to be like it was last year. We're just going to try and keep possessions down, try and grind you out, and hope by the end of the game, we have more points than you, and it probably won't be many. Uh, you, know, you only scored 66. You shot how well, and you only scored 66 points. And yeah. I just don't know how sustainable of a model that is, especially when you play against you know good basketball teams. And I think Northwestern is a good basketball team. I think they'll be a yeah, tournament team, probably. They'll probably finish, I don't know, fifth or sixth in the Big Ten. They'll, they'll beat one of the big dogs on the road, whether it be like a Michigan State or a, or a Purdue or Michigan. Uh, but I, I think they're a good team. But if you want to be taken seriously as a good team, and it's not like they went out and embarrassed themselves, but man, it just really, really felt like it was a game they could have won. I mean, it definitely was. I mean, it was a five point game. Uh, Northwestern missed a couple free throws. Um, I mean, fortunately we converted most of our free throws as well. Um, but, you know, getting, getting some bench contribution, even if it's, you know, nine ex- unexpected points, right? Like most of the points did come from their starters, but 
you know, it, that's that can be what decides it when when we basically get nothing off of the bench other than Kobe Brea, who is essentially sliding in for Kobe Elvis's expected points. Um, you know, so uh, in a tight game like that, it's it is interesting that we had success speeding things up when we were in comeback mode and there was really only one option. Uh, and that was to turn it up a notch and we did. And then it was like, you know, Northwestern calls timeout and then it's like, okay, we're done doing that. We're back in it. Now we're going to slow it back down, even though that didn't work for us well in the first half and it didn't work for us very well after that either. So, you know, I think this is a couple games now, even our first game where turning it up, you know, in the second half, uh, when we need to is what propels us. And it's whether we can keep that, that pedal down, uh, to the finish line. Yeah, you're right. And I thought one of the key stretches of this game was when, uh, Boo Booey goes out with four fouls and you have the lead. You feel really good about where you're at and Mm -hmm. their best player leaves the floor and you've got a real, real opportunity to extend the lead. And instead of extending the lead, you allow them to climb back, you know, back into the thing and ultimately regain it and just kind of snuff you out for the rest for the rest of the half. And that's and that was what was very disconcerting because you really, really felt like they could have grabbed the game by the horns there and they and they just let it slip through their fingers. And again, it's it's nothing we haven't seen before. But you just you want to see them take those steps and take those leaps forward if you want to go to where you want to go with this season. And as I've said before, I think the place that Dayton needs to go this year is the tournament. And whether that's getting an auto bid, which those chances took a hit Friday night, uh, they did. And I know it's November, yeah. and I'm I don't want to overreact to our team in November and December because we won't be the same team now as we are in February and March. But man. It's just opportunities like this do not come around very often. And when you get them, you got to take full advantage of them. And they just didn't. And that's the disappointing thing. But you got to put it behind you. You got to move forward. And moving forward is playing LSU on Thursday. And LSU, people, I know it's the mystique LSU, the, the Tigers, go Tigers and all that. They're not a good basketball team. LSU is not a good basketball team. They are ranked let's see they are 64th in Kempom for for sake of uh, reference Dayton is 67 I think that's entirely too high they lost to a team called uh Nichols the Nichols Colonials uh from the what conference are they in the Southland I think yeah the Southland conference who's making their second appearance on this show because uh McNeese beat VCU <laughs> on night one and so you know shout out to the Southland but uh great year for Nichols, the, Southland. the Nichols Colonials go into LSU and win. And they led this game for the majority of it. LSU grabbed their first lead. How how late into the game do you think LSU had their first lead of the basketball game, Jeremy? Uh, it's eight minutes left. 5.36 to go in the game. LSU takes All the right. lead 58-57. So they at 5.38, they finally grabbed the lead, the lead back. The lead was as much as 20, 24. Mm. Nichols led by as much as 24. This is not a good basketball team, guys. It's not. And Dayton, if this is a team you should beat, and quite frankly, you should beat them handily. Now, you look at their stats. Their stats are very skewed because their first game, they put over, they put up over 100 against 
uh, a SWAC school. And so, you know, they're averaging, they says they're averaging 86 points a game. That's very skewed. They only scored, however, 66 against Nichols. So you know, it's, it's not a very good basketball team. It's a team that you should take care of. Uh, what is something you want to see in this game coming up against LSU? You, something you want to see Dayton do better? I mean, I want Dayton to come out excited, to not look lethargic, to not go with a slow tempo without purpose. Because I, I guess I want to tie a bow on kind of the, at least from my perspective, the the fan base's frustration with a slower tempo. Um, it's not that we expect to be, um, you know, loyal Marymount of the past or to be, you know, the San Francisco Dons and just, you know, be trying to score 100 points every game. Like, sure, we would probably like that, but that's unrealistic for this uh, roster, for this coaching staff. Um, I, I think the confusing part is that they want to slow it down so that they can get good quality shots. And yet it feels like we never get good quality shots when we slow it down. We spend 15 seconds of the shot clock around the perimeter, not much happening, maybe dump it down, get it back out. And then it seems like we're always taking a shot with five seconds left and it seems hurried at that point. So I would like us to run some plays, run some sets, get the ball down low, score some points in the paint. Um, and try and do that earlier on. Just force the issue, maybe get some fouls, get to the foul line. We've been shooting very well from the free throw line. Um, and, you know, of course, that opens things up around the perimeter. And if we're shooting the ball like we did, we shot, what, 52% against uh, Northwestern from three, like, let's keep that going. But let's do it in a little more urgent manner. Treat it like we did when the game was dire, when we were tied in our first game in the second half or when we're down 10 early in the second or to start the second half against Northwestern play with that sense of urgency. And it doesn't mean that we have to run at the quickest pace, but look for that shot earlier, I think is, is my point. Yeah. And I agree. And I agree with the set place point because it just feels like we kind of just run through whatever that motion is that Anthony Grant's had forever. And a lot of times it just doesn't open up anything easy. You need wrinkles off of your motion. You need set plays that can get an easy look for Duran. Or if Duran's getting doubled, a good look for for a teammate. And I thought your free throw point was a good one too. We're shooting 81% from the line this year as a team. Try Get to the line, man. Like Get to the free throw line. I would like to see Dayton's free throw attempts go up, get into the 20s every game. Like We, we should make it a point to try and get to the basket to get layups. Or go to the free throw line because if you're going to shoot free throws like this all year, you, th- those are free points. And you don't. And here's the thing: you don't need to speed the tempo up to get those points. The, the damn clock stopped. Yeah, you, you just those are those are free points, and it's, it is a frustration I've had with Anthony Grant since since his tenure. Our teams just don't shoot enough free throws. We we do not make a concerted effort to get to the line, and I feel like if we did, you would see a little more success. And with all with all the you know, Duran shooting eighty eight percent from the line this year, he should. Yeah, he's be getting, no longer a li- He's no longer a liability. No, he, he took it from a, a liability to a strength. Like, and yeah. that's steady improvement. And he like he should be trying to get to the line like no other. And I think he is. I think that is in his mind of look. If I get this ball down here, I'm going to try and score. I'm going to try and body you and score. 
or you're going to foul me and I'm going to go to the line and I'm going to make both. And that he needs to have, he needs to keep that mentality. I think that's the mentality he's been playing with this year. You know, Brea is, is a great shooter. Elvis is shooting 83%. Bennett's a 75% free throw shooter. Those guys, like if they can just keep. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply kind of grinding away and getting to the line. Uh, you, we've only taken 37 free throws through two games. So, and we've made 30 of them. So it, like I said, if you can get those attempts up, your percentage will take over and you're going to be scoring more and more and more as you, as you go forward. So, you know, that's kind of where Dayton's at right now. Uh, it's looking like it's going to be, you know, those eight guys, the, the starting five, Brea, whatever you get from Isaac Jack and, and Petrus, uh, that, that's kind of your rotation from now going forward and heading into Charleston. And you, you take a look at this Charleston field. If you win this one on Thursday, you get the winner of North Texas and St. John's. You take a look at St. John's, they're 74th in Ken Palm. So they're, they're not the, the best team. Honestly, LSU's 10 spots higher than them. And North Texas, who they are facing – is 91. 91. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got to win this one. And if you win this one, no matter who you draw, you kind of got to win that one too. And then you're looking at, if you win both of those, you get a shot at Houston. And no one will begrudge you if you lose to Houston. No one. Not even me. And if you can start, everyone says you got to win the first one. I think in this scenario with this field, you got to win the first two. You got to find a way to get a matchup with Houston and just kind of throw the ball out and see what happens. And, you know, because Houston plays Towson, they'll probably win that one. Utah and Wake Forest, you know, power five school, you know, middle of the road power five schools. I don't see either of them beating Houston. Um, So 
it's all right in front of you. If you take care of your business here in your first two, you get a date with Houston Sunday night at 8.30 in the championship game. Uh, Jeremy, what will it take for Dayton to have that date with Houston on Sunday night? I mean, I think you said it during the Northwestern game uh, recap, which was consistency. We need to show some semblance of consistency. Um, I mean, we certainly showed some resilience in the Northwestern game, making that a game when it looked like it wasn't going to be a game. Um, But I mean, if we take care of the ball a lot better, as you mentioned, shoot free throws as we've been shooting, if we can be, you know, anywhere close to 50% from three. I mean, I think it'd be difficult for us to not be playing Houston or whoever we would meet in the final at that point. I mean, of course, St. John's is a really good team, uh, you know, just lost, but that'll probably just make them more hungry. Um, And I, I mean, this is just, it's, it's just showing that sense of urgency that we need to display. Cause you know, of course you, you can't, when the schedule's out, it's, you know, you can't, you, you play your schedule, you can't change it. Well, this is where you can, you can change your schedule. This is where you can, uh, you can earn those matchups that are really going to make a difference uh, as we approach March. Um, and of course it's a long way away, but as you mentioned, this is, this is the life of mid-major. This is, these games are incredibly important. We have to win. We have to win two games at this tournament. And hopefully they're the first two so that it gets us a loss that only helps us. Um, And, you know, if it shakes out that, you know, Houston gets upset somehow, well, then we're playing a a team that's playing pretty well uh, that that we're to make it to the finals there. You know, I mean, Utah is what, 35 and Ken Palm now. Um, We'll see how that shakes out over the next couple of games. But I mean, that wouldn't be a bad game if we happen to lose. Uh, against St. John's or North Texas or whoever we play. Maybe we do get lucky and draw a Utah that that lost earlier or something like that. But we don't want to get into that, right? Like we let's take care of what's in front of us and play well, play consistently, do the things that we're doing well and, and keep doing those well. And hopefully some of the guys that started a little slower or a little more inconsistent can clean it up a little bit. And we'll be in great shape. It's it's right there in front of us. Yeah, and your point about Houston just running into an off night is well taken. They, and Utah, you know, after close, you know, looking more closer at Ken Palm, them being at thirty five, that they won't be they won't be an out uh, a slouch, I should say. And mm-hmm. you know that'll be a tough out for for Houston. And really, when you look at all the teams in this field in terms of Ken Palm rating, in which you know I don't like to use it as gospel, but it is a good reference. Uh, it all the teams are kind of in that same kind of window from from Utah down. So you have Utah at 35, then you have LSU at 64, us at 67, Wake at 71, North Texas at 91, and then Towson is all the way down at 140. So they're obviously the the weakest link in this tournament, but they draw the number two Ken Palm team and you know number two team in the country, Houston. If I could be wrong on that, but they're number That's two. Correct. Um, so yeah, so they're probably going to moonwalk there to the second round, but you know, Utah will, will, will be a tough out. And I think wake will be as well, but I just, I think Houston's really, really good. And if you can just find a way to get a matchup with them and just kind of 
lay the cards out because you, you never know on any given night, any given Sunday, since that game will, will be, in fact, on a Sunday. Uh, you can, you can find a way to win and then you can ride, you can ride the momentum from a win like that. And you can ride it to a resume point. Like, you know what? We may have lost that one to Northwestern on the road, but we got Houston on a, on a neutral. And that would be a, a big marquee win in the likes of when Dayton beat Kansas and Orlando, uh, several yep. years. So that, and that's kind of where you find yourself, uh, when you go to these things, you got to take advantage of them. You got to go at minimum two and one. Uh, and a minimum of two and one is not what happened last year uh, with that debacle where you had Wisconsin, uh, you, you lose a bad one. I forget who they, they played in the second game uh, that that's escaping me right now. And then the BYU disaster, uh, you know, the, just uh, you have an O and three showing and it pretty much just took away any chances you had of, of an at large spot towards the end of the year. Even when Dayton did start to creep back up into that discussion as the year went on, you just didn't have that backing in November and December that a team like Dayton needs. You know, these middle of the road power five conference teams, they can get by with having a bad November, December, as long as they get a couple of their conference games. And I, that's one of the fears I have of the NCAA tournament is that the mid majors kind of going by the wayside, uh, especially with all this conference realignment happening. Uh, you know, like the Big 12 is going to get. 11 teams in every year. The Big Ten is going to get nine. Uh, the SEC will probably get seven to eight. Like all these power conferences that have all these really good teams are going to be hoovering up all the spots. So it's going to get tougher and tougher for teams like Dayton to get at large spots. And that, and like teams don't really want to come to the arena and play us. So you got to go on the road and try and guess which teams are going to be good two to three years out because, you know, as much as we would love to, you know, go to Kentucky or go to Duke, you know, as they would be confident they would win those games, but I'm sure that they're like, well, why would we bring Dayton in when we could bring in Sam Houston state instead for, for cheaper. Yeah. And so it's, you really want the comfort of being in a good at large position, but with the way the landscape of college basketball is changing with the way conference realignment is changing things and the transfer portal, it just gets tougher and tougher and your conference tournaments become that much more important. And, you know, date, it's no secret. Dayton hasn't won one of those things in 20 years, but if they're going to get to the tournament this year, I have a sneaking feeling that they're going to have to win that tournament. What say you? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we know what that outcome is going to be. I feel like, but I, I mean, we'll know the answer by next week. That's for sure. Um, that that we'll need to yep to run the table in in early March if if you know we put ourselves in this position. I mean, right last year it was what Wisconsin, uh, NC State, and BYU three quality State, games. That was yep right right uh, three quality games there. That I mean, of course we didn't come out with any victories there, but you know sometimes that's going to happen. I think injuries had a lot to do with that. Not excuse making by any means. That doesn't wash away the season, but. Um, you know, I mean, we're going to be presented. We, we ran through the, the Ken Palm it's, we're going to get quality games in this, in this tournament here in the Charleston classic. So now's your chance to prove that, uh, you have the ability to compete with these teams and you can start to build a resume that gives you maybe the slightest breathing room, uh, in terms of, you know, that, that tournament, uh, that you know, 
the A10 tournament. Um, right. And, you know, it's it's one that we have a lot of difficulty uh, going all the way on. And uh, hopefully we can kind of exercise some demons early to uh, make that, you know, maybe a more exciting trip uh, with a little bit less pressure on us. Right. And, you know, let, let's let, let's look at it this way. Let's say you go two and one with that one being a loss to Houston in the championship game. And, you know, just for S's and G's, let's just say you play well and almost catch them. That you, the, this is the remaining non-con schedule. You get UNLV at home who, you know, I don't really know much about if they're any good, if they're not. Then you get UC. You know, it, it's labeled as a neutral site game, but that game's in Cincinnati. Uh, and you, you don't really know where they're at. Uh, they play Northern Kentucky on Sunday, and I kind of sneaky think NKU beat them last year, beat them pretty handily. Um, mm-hmm. I I think that could be another really good game. Keep an eye out on NKU on that one. Uh, and that basically, and then you have uh, SMU on the road uh, after this. You get Youngstown at home on November 24th, and then you go to SMU on November 29th. And it was brought up last week when Grant Grant hasn't won a non-conference true road game in his tenure at Dayton. I believe Friday's loss put him at 0-8. Uh, and that just, it, it's a shocking stat to see. And I know Dayton doesn't play a lot of, you know, true road games in the non-conference schedule, but you kind of got to, you kind of got to get one, man. And you really only have one more opportunity truly to get it with the SMU game. You know, I know the Cincinnati game is is in Cincinnati, but it's not at uh, Fifth Third Arena, which is UC's actual arena on their campus. Uh, so you you got one opportunity to get one, and that's SMU on uh, Wednesday, November 29th. All right, so we've kind of laid out what we expect for the Charleston Classic and what we expect in the game against LSU and kind of forecasted looking ahead. Let's take a look at the A-10. Let's do a quick A-10 rundown here. Not a lot has changed, really. Duquesne is three and O George Washington is three and O LaSalle is three and O Rhode Island. You know, the usual teams are, mm-hmm. are all undefeated. Uh, St. Louis three and O Davidson, Dayton, Fordham, Bonaventure, VCU and Loyola Chicago are the only a 10 teams currently with losses. Uh, it's kind of hard to read again. This is something that we'll know more as the non-con moves forward. And especially once we get into the Atlantic 10 season and that dust starts to settle. Um, but I've just been trying to take the temperature of what people feel about the a 10 this year, Jeremy, and where are you at with the Atlantic 10 conference? Are you happy with where it's at? Are you happy that Dayton is even a part of it? Uh, (laughs) Would you make changes? Are there changes that you wish the a 10 would make? Like what, what's kind of your, your general temperature about the Atlantic 10 at this moment in time? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy, especially us on Twitter to um, disparage the a 10 and complain and, wish for the big east and and all that uh i find a lot of that to be funny but fruitless um you know we're we are where we are we're not really going anywhere um i kind of hope that there's no more expansion um i honestly think the a10 does what it can um it prioritizes the the home and away matchups uh with you know, the ones that they're looking forward as hopefully the best teams in the league that year. Um, so, I mean, in, in terms of the A-10 as a whole, I think it is what it is. It certainly has seemingly fallen off a little bit, uh, you know, in this downward trajectory in the last handful of years. But um, that's not an excuse for Dayton. Um, Dayton 
should excel in this conference and excel every year. And unfortunately, that hasn't necessarily been the case. Of course, we're near the top, but, um, you know, we should be we At should be top. held to that regard um, in terms of in terms of the rest of the league um, too early to tell, I think. But um, I think honestly, like that VCU loss only hurts the A-10 um, and, you know, Loyola is seemingly still in a transition. Um, Duquesne, I think, is the only, well, I mean, I would say it's good to see Duquesne really carry forward with the expectations that they had coming into the year. Um, now, of course, their schedule now they've done hasn't this been before. amazing. Right. They, they've right. done this before, too. And you get, once you get into the A-10 season, they kind of regress back to what we thought they were. But, yes, it, it has been a very promising start for Duquesne. Yeah. I mean, I think even just beating Charleston, College of Charleston, right. I think that at least says, like, okay, that – they're trying to be for real this year. Right. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's, that's good to see, but um, I mean, there, there really are still a lot of landmines of course in the a 10 and that's going to be problematic for Dayton because of course those, those losses, you know, really kill you. Um, yep. And the, the wins there don't do anything for you. So yeah, uh, you know, same old story a little bit. Um, it's going to be a, a few contenders at the top. It looks maybe a little bit more uncertain about who those are going to be, um, you know, outside of, you know, a Dayton, a Duquesne, uh, maybe a VCU uh, and, a, and a Bonnie's. Um, but, you know, there certainly could be some surprises in there as well, for better or worse. There, there always are. Uh, and I think if there's one team, that isn't getting talked about. And this is probably just, you know, residual effect from him being our coach a time ago. It's Rhode Island. Uh, it kind of mm -hmm. feels like Archie's kind of on the precipice of getting his guys in there. And I don't know if it'll be this year, but they're coming. I, I think Rhode Island's coming. I think they could surprise some people this year and be better than a lot of people think, you know, will they win the league? No, I don't think that, uh, I don't even know if they will be a top four seed, but, when when you face an Archie Miller coach team, you, you can't take that night off. And I think he's starting to get his dudes in there. And it'll be interesting to see how he navigates the rest of the year. And this is this has been my thing with the A-10. I've had this thought for a long time. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the show, though. Is that the Atlantic 10 has the skeleton of a very, very, very good small school basketball conference. Mm -hmm. If they trim the fat, and by trim the fat, I mean get rid of George Washington and LaSalle. If you get rid of those two programs and maybe, you know, maybe even I know Fordham was better last year and they they have some expectations this year, but I would kind of cut them too. And, you know, maybe one, like maybe one other, one other program out of there, but, and you brought back Temple and you brought in College of Charleston. I think this turns into one of the premier small basketball school conferences in the country. And honestly, I, there's not many that I would take over it outside of, you know, the power five slash Big East, I don't know if you include the – I think you include the Big East in that conversation as well because it's, you know, that they have the reigning national champion and they've kind of feel like they've got the the mojo of the old Big East back. Uh, and I just – Dayton to the Big East, I'm sorry to let everyone know that ain't happening anytime soon. So if you that's still in your brain, uh, 
kind of get it out because we kind of had our opportunity in 1920 and a global pandemic kind of just wiped that off the face of the earth. Uh, I think there may have been some legitimate momentum if Dayton made a run in the tournament that year about maybe becoming a member of the Big East, but I think that ship has sailed. Uh, so for now, y- you are where you are. You play who you play, and you gotta you gotta take advantage of it, and you gotta reign at the top. If, if you have to behave like how you want to be perceived, we want to be perceived as the class of the league. Well, you need to act accordingly, and you need to become yeah. the class of the league, and that starts with winning the regular season, winning the Atlantic Ten tournament, representing the conference by, you know playing well, maybe winning a game or two or three or four or five, maybe even six, but I've, that's neither here nor there. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Cause the one thing that's left out of that, cause you know, th- those are all extremely true. That's how you represent yourself as the class of the league is yes. Perform well in the conference, uh, perform well in the conference tournament, which we have struggled to do, uh, you know, make some noise in the postseason, but Outside of that, like we represent the Atlantic 10 in our non-conference schedule and we have not represented the Atlantic 10 right. or Dayton very well in the non-conference schedule. And, you know, that's back to this week, right? This is our opportunity yep. to, you know, create a resume to where not only it's wins and losses and Ken Palm and all that, but it's also, you know, the Atlantic 10 is winning basketball games outside of beating up on each other. Yeah, and I, I, I'm with you there, and that's where we need to be, and that's where we need to strive to be moving forward, and I, I think that's a very good point about how we represent the conference in the, in the non-con when we play these marquee matchups and all that moving forward. All right, keeping the segments move along, and by the way, if you have a segment idea for me, uh, if you want to sponsor a segment, uh, put some money in my pocket, that'd be nice too, but... <laughs> Uh, don't be afraid to reach out. I'm always I'm open to ideas. This this podcast has now become a blank slate for me uh, to kind of take it wherever I I, I want to take it. And so I, I'm all ears to new segment ideas, new segment suggestions. Um, you know, heck, I, I'd love to do a mailbag episode one time. So we'll figure that out. I know back in the olden days of this podcast, and OG listeners know which one I'm talking about. They had uh, the Ask an Old Dude segment. Uh, some rumblings about that coming back. Uh, but speaking of trivia. Jeremy has alerted me that he has a trivia question for me uh, around the SEC in Dayton. So, Jeremy, fire away. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you when you asked me if uh, I wanted to be on for this leading into the, the LSU game, it made me think about how I had this kind of ingrained impression uh, that we – well, let me stop there. I'll, you can cut this, but uh, I'll maybe say that after. Um, okay, so Drew, my question leading into this LSU game in the Charleston Classic is what is Dayton's record against SEC opponents in the Anthony Grant era? So in the Anthony Grant era against SEC opponents, ooh, okay, I got to think about this. I'm trying to remember if we played any in the 1920 season. None of them are coming to mind. So I'm going to say that they are two and two and six. Really close. So three and six. Um, So we didn't, we didn't play anybody. We didn't play anybody last year. Um, 2021, 2022, 
we lost both to Ole Miss, Ole Miss, and yep. then we lost to uh, Vandy in overtime in the NIT. The year before, we won both of our games against Mississippi State and Ole Miss again. Beat Georgia in uh, 1920. In Maui. Yep. In uh, Maui, yep. In, in 2018-2019, we lost to two ranked SEC opponents, Mississippi State again, and Auburn, who was number eight. Um, oh, and yeah, then that Auburn game. A- I remember that one. AG's first year, we lost to both uh, Mississippi State and Auburn again. So three and yep. six, um, you know, and, and the reason I wanted to ask you that was because when I think of Dayton playing the SEC, I still have good vibes about how good Archie was against the SEC. And, you know, of course, those were really good teams that made the tournament consistently. Um, and it just seems like there's been this shift where we used to look at the SEC and be like, oh, yeah, this is another awesome opportunity for us to beat up on the SEC again. And that has just fallen by the wayside under AG. It has. And I think, you know, part of it is the the team not being as good as those Archie days. But another thing is, is that the SEC has really invested in basketball the last five Mm -hmm. years. I think a lot of these middling SEC programs that we used to beat uh, on the road back in those days have become a lot better. Uh, you know, obviously LSU is going through a coaching transition right now with everything that happened there uh, and that whole, you know, that whole ordeal involving LSU basketball. Uh, but I think the SEC has really, really has invested significantly in in their conference as a whole when it comes to basketball. Because back in the day, man, the SEC used to just be all right. It's Kentucky and you know maybe like two other teams that'll be anywhere from thirty-five to twenty. Um, they'll beat up on everyone else in the league, but when they go to Rupp, they're going to get ran out of the building by Cal and the boys. And yeah. so I think the SEC is a, is a better league. And it wasn't just the SEC back in those days. It felt like any time we lined up with a power five opponent, we were like, yeah, man, this like, yeah. come, come see what happens. And now again, none of those were the premier programs in those leagues. We never played, you know, the Kentuckys or, the Dukes and the North Carolinas or the Texases, like it was always those middle of the road programs that we had to settle for because they're the only ones we could get home and homes with. But you're right. Like when you play a team like that and you handle your business, if they do play well in that power five conference, that's just a win that just keeps on giving, keeps on giving. So being three and six, it's not surprising. And you know, the more I think about it now, the more I'm remembering these games, I completely forgot about the Anthony Edwards shutout in Maui mm-hmm. uh, in 2019, 2020. That was, oh, yeah. it's still, it's still amazing to me when I watch him on television and ha- how good he is in the NBA now. And, you know, for those who don't watch the NBA, which I'm sure there are plenty of you that listen to this podcast that don't watch the NBA. Uh, Anthony Edwards is one of maybe the p- top 15 players in the league as it stands right now. Um, you know, we make a big deal about Kyle Davis, like, shutting Chris Dunn down when he was at Providence. Uh, Chris Dunn had like a five-year NBA career that didn't really amount to much. We took Anthony Edwards out of the game, and he is one of the top 15 players in the league right now, which is blows my mind and also just makes me sad about 2019, 2020 all over again. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, and like I said, it, you take care of your business on, on Thursday, today when this episode airs. 
you, you have a very, very good opportunity in front of you to, you know, carry all that forward. So, all right, before we go, that's pretty much going to wrap up all the date and talk tonight. But Jeremy, you are the host of the College Basketball Stories podcast, as I mentioned at the top of the episode. I have been on before. Are you aware that we are approaching a, te- a very, very important 10-year anniversary for you and I? Um, no, I'm not aware. So this coming spring will be the 10-year anniversary of Dayton's Elite Eight run. Oh, back when, Back when we beat Ohio State, Syracuse, uh, Stanford, and then ultimately falling to Florida. Um, so I don't know if you have anybody in the shoot for an episode like that, uh, but I would love to come back on and discuss that because that was a very, very fun time of my life. I don't know about you. Certainly was fond memories on campus still uh, at that point. And uh, yeah, would love to have you. We've taken a little hiatus from recording, but that seems like a, a good one to, to jump us back into it. Excellent. And I have been planning a, you know, kind of a retrospective episode where I just dive all the way in on that season because boy, howdy, it's one of the biggest roller coaster seasons in Dayton basketball history. Oh yeah. Uh, you remember the, what was it? Six consecutive losses in the Atlantic 10 in January. Just all seemed like the, the sky was falling and you know, the world was ending and then you go on the road and beat St. Louis and just kind of ride the way from there. Uh, so fond memories of that. We were approaching the 10 years of that. So I'm sure once we get a little more into a 10 play and, you know, closer to the NCAA tournament, depending on how Dayton's season goes, uh, we could do a big uh, retrospective episode, kind of get some people that were on that team, maybe around that team, talk about that. Uh, you know, so I just wanted to point that out. Uh, Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Uh, you are the first Dayton alumnus to come on this show with me. Uh, and that's, that's a big deal. Uh, so again, appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, thanks for your insight. Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this for, with me. Yeah, absolutely. Go Flyers. Oh, go Flyers. Indeed. We have two rules on this show. It's wear red. It's be loud. Apologies to Mark Titus. We ran out of time today. Hopefully we'll try and squeeze you in next time. Uh, and that'll do it folks. We hope you have a great rest of your day, evening, whatever time you may be listening to this. Uh, Dayton, LSU, 4 o'clock in Charleston. I'm sure many people will be there uh, hoping to have a rapid reaction. I think it could work out pretty well to have a rapid reaction up for tomorrow, so we will see how that goes. But until then, as I said before, wear red, be loud. Have a good night, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.